Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thematic Commander. My name is Jason. I love Magic the Gathering, and I also love building themed EDH decks. On this channel, I'm going to take some of your favorite stories, TV shows, lore, game mechanics, and turn them into playable EDH decks that still tell a story. Thanks, everybody, and on to the show. Hello everybody and welcome back to Thematic Commander. This week we're going to be going over green-red planeswalkers being helmed by Rada, Heart of Keld, and this is part of the 32 deck series. Put your hands up. No. I said no. Why not? I don't want to. But I've got a gun. I don't care. It doesn't make any sense. Too bad. Well, where are your friends? I don't know. Yes, you do know. No, I don't know. You do know! Shoot me, then. So hello and welcome back. Uh, sorry that it took me so long to get another one out. I had a couple troubles with my computer, but now I'm up and running with my new computer. So hopefully that'll help with sound recording and everything like that. This week, it's going to be part of the 32 deck series, which is the deck series where I take uh, one of my 32 decks that I'm building and I go over it with you guys, show you what my idea for my Gruul deck is. I'm trying to take a different perspective on Gruul this time around with Rada, Heart of Keld, and a green-red Planeswalker style uh, of deck. So I'm pretty sure I have looked at the EDH rec page, and I haven't seen a whole lot of green-red Planeswalker decks. Uh, there's obviously mono-red decks with Chandra, and there's... Everything with blue, uh, many things with green, just because you're going to want to have your doubling season out. And I like to try and do a unique thing for the color combination that I'm looking to do. And also something that's different than any of my other decks that I have pre-existing. So with that, and with you, let's go on to the first section. We are at the threshold of a new age. Did you think death would free you from your obligation? When the system fails, we will balance the scales. This is cruel territory now! Get ready for the friction! What is there to fear? This is what we've been preparing for! So, a little bit of history behind Rada, Heart of, Heart of Keld. Rada was first introduced in the time spiral in Planar Chaos, the time spiral block, as Rada, heir to Keld, 
A little history about the Keldon race is the Keldon race were a race of warriors that were first formed during Ice Age in on Dominaria. Uh, they were warring tribes until Rada's great-grandfather brought them together and forged a warrior-like class. They really represented the red color base on Dominaria in Keld. The race continued to survive and live through the Ice Age, through... Uh, a few more of the major events on Dominaria until the time when the invasion and the overlay of Wrath started. If you want to know more about that kind of history, I would recommend going to the Vorthos podcast and looking for their earlier episodes where they talk about the invasion uh, of Phyrexia and the overlaying of Wrath. But a little bit of history here. The Keldons did go and join with the Sky Shroud Elves to fight off the invasion. Uh, they all ended up getting swallowed by ice during that fight. And most of the Keldin, or most of the survivors were taken in by a boat in the Keldon crypts and transported to Urborg, where the final fight between the Phyrexians and Dominarians was going to, was going to take place. Uh, Rada is a result of the Keldon warlord and one of the Skyshroud elves uh, having a child. Uh, Rada is the direct descendant of the first warlord for Keld. Well, we meet up with Rada in the Time Spiral block uh, during the Time Spiral crisis. This is right during the time when we're trying. The Teferi was trying to close. Uh, Teferi and multiple other planeswalkers are trying to close the time rifts that are destroying Dominaria. Rada did have a planeswalker spark. She was supposed to be a planeswalker, which is kind of flavorful for this deck because we do have a bunch of planeswalkers, obviously, in it. But her spark had not ignited yet. They did use Rada's spark to close one of the time rifts, kind of against her will as well. You can definitely go and listen to the Vorthos podcast about how that came to be, everything like that. But Rada still survives till today. She is. She went through as the heir to Keld. Then she was reprinted in Dominaria when we came back to as Grand Lord, Grand Warlord Rada. And now we have her in her final iteration here as uh, Rada, Heart of Keld. Um, but how about we just get to the next? How about we just get to the next uh, part, part two, and we'll start going over, or section part two, section two, uh, and we'll start going over the deck list. Oh, check it out! It took me sixteen years, but I totally earned these scissors. Wait, wait, sixteen years? You've been gone from Earth for like eight minutes. Eight minutes? Yeah. I forgot to tell you that time passes differently in this dimension. Not sorry. No, 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 no. This is good. It means you haven't missed anything back on Earth. Come on, use your new scissors to take us home. Yeah, about that. I don't think I'm coming back. Turns out I really like my new life here. I got my sword, my dragon cycle. I get to ride around all day and go on adventures whenever I want. It's the journey, you know? Yeah, that dragon cycle is pretty dope. No, wait, wait. What about your parents? Or your friends? Or me? Thanks. Bye. Later, H-Poo. Don't call me that! Ah! Oh. No! My hot bod! Where did it go? Squeesh. Oh, I guess you're back on Earth's timeline now. So, let's start off with who's helming our deck. So, Rada, Heart to Keld. One red, green, 3-3, three, three, Legendary Creature, Elf Warrior. As long as it's your turn, Rada has First Strike. 
You may look at the top card of your library anytime, and you may play a land from the top of your library. And then she has one last ability, four, red, green. Rada gets plus X, plus X, until end of turn, where X is the number of lands you control. So I chose Rada, a little bit for flavor reasons. She was supposed to be a Planeswalker, so this is technically a non-sparked Planeswalker as the leader of our deck. Uh, also, she generates a type of card advantage. We do have a couple ways to manipulate the top of our deck, a few scrying abilities that will really help us use her second ability where we're getting that free land off the top of our library, put it into play. Now we're not drawing lands or if we need a, if we're going to miss a land drop, make sure we get that land drop with some of the scry and uh, top abilities. So we're going to go over a few of the boring things real quick. So our ramp package here, I am playing a lot of one-drop ramp effects in Birds of Paradise, Elvish Mystic, Explore, Land of War Elf, Soul Ring, and Utopia Sprawl. Now, I'm playing these ones because you do want to try and get Rada out on turn three, or on turn two, so that you can immediately start getting the benefit of those quote-unquote draws when you get that land off the top of your library instead of having to play it from your hand. Uh, then most of our other ramp is all two-drops, or two converted mana cost spells in Dockside Extortionist, Farseek, Into the North, Nature's Lore, Rampant Growth, Sakura Tribelder. And then we have one last one that's kind of a one drop, kind of a three drop in Search for Tomorrow. Search for, I do like to try and play Search for Tomorrow nowadays uh, because if I can get it suspended on turn one and get it to go off on turn two, it's just another one drop ramp spell it's a spell I can cast for three as well if I just need to get that land out. And it does come into play untapped, the basic land that you would be able to go search for. Some of our draw effects. Uh, Faithless Looting is a good one. I'll, tell, I'll let you know why later. Uh, that's one red. Draw two cards, discard two, tar two cards, and then flashback for two and a red. Gamble. Search your library for a card. Sorcery. One red. Put it into your hand. Discard a card at random. Then shuffle your library. That's a really important one because we're going to need to be able to find the most important card in our deck, which is Doubling Season. Othanissa, one mana, one green, or a green. Ha, I'm going to say it right. So a green, legendary enchantment. When Othanissa enters the battlefield, look at the top three cards of your library. You may put a creature, land, or planeswalker card from among them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. You may spend, and then it has a stack ability. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast Planeswalkers. Not a huge deal, considering we're just a two-color deck. But it does help in case you're getting flooded on one color, and there are a couple cards with double mana pips in there. Reforge the Soul, three red-red, sorcery. Each player discards their hand, then draw, seven. Miracle for one and a red. So if, you, it's the, if it's the first card you draw that turn, you can pay one in a red and cast it. This comes into play a little bit more when we go into the mono-red Planeswalkers. I'll tell you how Reach Forge the Soul is good in the deck. It's also a cheaper version than Wheel of Fortune, which uh, I just sold. So, And then the last card in draw would be Sensei's Divining Top. Now this is going to work really well with uh, Rada, Heart of Keld. Obviously it's one colorless, or colorless, ha, huh, artifact. Pay one, look at the top three cards of your library, put them back in any order, and then it has the ability tap, 
draw a card, put Sensei's Divining Top on top of its owner's library. Last two sections here before we get into the Planeswalkers. We have our Wrath effects. We have Blasphemous Act, eight and a red, costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield, deals 13 damage to all creatures. Jackal Hops, so this is not going to be a friendly card to play. I would suggest playing it when you're either going to win the game, or if you're not going to win the game, probably just don't play it because it doesn't make a lot of friends. But four red, red sorcery, destroy all artifacts, creatures, and lands. They can't be regenerated. So obviously there's a important word that's missing out of Jackal Hops, which is Planeswalkers. Probably because the card wasn't printed before Planeswalkers were made. But that's super important if you're able to get a massive board state with all of your, with maybe even two planeswalkers that create creatures, being able to jackal hops, clear the battlefield, and just kind of start getting creatures out where your opponents are either trying to rebuild or can't rebuild, they might just end up giving up uh, right there on the spot. Removal, a braid, one in a red, deal three damage to target creature, which is extremely relevant. Or destroy target artifact, which is also extremely relevant. Deflecting SWAT, two and a red. If you control your commander, you may cast a spell without paying its mana cost. You may choose new target of for target spell or ability. So the ability part, super new for these kind of SWAT effects, these fork effects. Uh, but being able to do this for free if we just pay, if we just have our Rada out is really good. And then Vandal Blast, one red, sorcery, destroy Target artifact you don't control, four in a red, overload. Now onto our spicier effects. So we're going to start with our mono red Planeswalkers. Most of the Planeswalkers I'm going to talk about, I picked because they ultimate the minute we have a doubling season out and it. So Chandra Noir, this is the first Chandra that was ever printed. Three red, red Planeswalker, Chandra. Has a plus one, deals one damage to target player. Whatever about that. Uh... It also has a minus X, deal X damage to target creature. Also, that's kind of a whatever. Now the minus eight is Chandra deals 10 damage to target player and each creature he or she controls. And she starts with six loyalty. So with the doubling season, she comes out with 12 loyalty. Probably one of the weaker planeswalkers. If you want to cut a planeswalker for a better planeswalker, Chandra could be one of your first cuts there. Chandra, Awakened Inferno, four red, red. Can't be countered. Super important as well there. Starts with six loyalty. Has a plus two. Each player gains an emblem. At the beginning of your upkeep, it deals one damage to you. So meaning the player that has it, which would be all of our players. Minus three deals three damage to target. Or deals three damage to each non-elemental creature. And then has a minus X. Deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker. If it permanent would be dealt damage this way exile it instead if it would die so kind of a cool way to end the game uh just giving your opponents a bunch of emblems that will eventually kill them or just being able to deal with a troublesome creature that needs to be exiled instead of destroyed chandra fire artisan two red red whenever one or more loyalty counters are removed from chandra deal that much damage to target opponent or planeswalker starts with four loyalty as a plus one exile the top card of your library, you may play it this turn, which is important because we can play lands with this ability. Minus seven, exile the top seven cards of your library, you may play them this turn. So if we immediately minus her, uh, if we have the doubling season out, we are going to deal seven damage to target creature or planeswalker, or target 
opponent or planeswalker that turn. Chandra Flame Catalyst, four red red, has a starts with five loyalty, has a plus one. Chandra deals three damage to each opponent. Has a minus two, you may cast target red instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. For the most part, we're just going to be hitting maybe a gamble. This can also be Reforge the Soul uh, or a Blasphemous Act. If that spell would be put into the graveyard this turn, exile it. And then the minus eight is what I really have this one in there for. Minus eight, discard your hand. Then draw seven cards until end of your turn or until end of turn, you may cast spells from your hand without paying their mana cost. So we get an omniscience for one turn. We also get to refill our hand. So this is just an explosive card that can ultimate the minute we have a doubling season down as well. Shamja Flamecaller, same converted mana cost, four red red, four loyalty, plus one, create two, create two, three one elemental tokens with haste, exile them at the beginning of the next end step. So with doubling season out, that becomes uh, four three ones, minus zero, discard all cards in your hand, then draw that many plus one. So if we have zero cards in our hand, we get to just draw a card for free. If we have multiples and they're like lands or just cards we don't need or planeswalkers we can't cast, we can discard them and draw an extra card. And then it has a minus X. It deals X damage to each creature. So another wrath effect. All right. We're almost done with the Chandras. Chandra Heart of Fire, three red red, five loyalty. Discard your hand, then exile the top three cards of your library until end of turn. You may play these cards exiled this way. Plus one. Chandra deals two damage to any target. Minus nine, search your library and your graveyard for any number of red instances or sorceries. Exile them, then shuffle your library. You may cast them this turn. Add six red to your mana pool. So this is a way to get the Blasphemous Act, the Reforge the Soul if you want to take an extra turn, or refill everybody's hands, including yourself. It's also another way to... Say you have that dominating board position, you've cast this to get out the jackal hops and eventually just win the game off of that. Chandra Torture Defiance, two red red. Exile the top card of your library, you may cast this card. If you don't, Chandra Torture Defiance deals two damage to each opponent. So now this is a cast, we won't be able to play lands off of it, but that's alright, it's still an extra draw effect. It also has a plus one, add two red to your mana pool, so a ramp card. Starts off with four loyalty, if I didn't mention it. Minus three, deal four damage to target creature. Great removal. Minus seven, you gain an emblem is whenever you cast a spell, this emblem deals five damage to any target. So that can just be your game ender right there. And then our last Chandra, Chandra the Firebrand, three and a red. Starts with three loyalty. Plus one, Chandra deals one damage to any target. Kind of underwhelming. Minus two, you make Cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn. Copy that spell. You may choose a new target for the copy. And then minus six. Chandra deals six damage to each of up to six targets. So obviously another ability that can ultimate right away. Less restrictive on the mana color. This is the only Chandra that's one red that I have in the deck. And being able to hit somebody for six, six times is always pretty good. Now, Luca, Copper Coat, Outcast. Uh, now, this combos a little bit with some of our creatures. You can cut off all of our one drops and our two drop creature types to put in more non creature 
ramp if you want to, because that would really help out Luca for the most part. So Luca is three and a red, five loyalty, plus one exile the top three cards of your library. Creatures exiled this way gain. You may cast this card from exile as long as you control a Luca Planeswalker. So it helps with your little mana dorks if you want to cast them. This is now this is the ability that I'm really casting it for is the minus two exile target creature you control. Then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature with the higher converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom in a random order. Now when we get to our our other creatures, I'll tell you why we really want to be able to minus two and not hit any of our low drops. Because there's a small theme with some of our other Planeswalkers that would really help this out. And then the minus seven, which I've never really seen used, is minus seven. Each creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each opponent. Which, but I mean, if you get the chance to do it, it's pretty good. Especially with our next Sarkon, the Masterless. Three red red. Whenever a creature attacks you or a Planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. It has a plus one until end of turn. Each planeswalker you control becomes a 4-4 red dragon creature and gains flying. And then a minus three create a 4-4. So with doubling season, obviously, being able to make two 4-4s is great. But also just being able to alpha strike one of your opponents out of nowhere just by casting this. All of your your planeswalkers that are already in play would have haste if you cast them turns before. And also, it has a small way to protect our Planeswalkers if we just minus. Say your opponent has a massive board of tokens. And then another Sarkin, Sarkin the Dragon Speaker. Three red red. Until end of turn, Sarkin the Dragon Speaker becomes a 4-4 red dragon creature with flying indestructible in haste. Minus three deal, four damage to target creature. Minus six, you gain an emblem. At the beginning of your draw step, you draw two additional cards. At the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. So a little bit scary but it kind of has the theme with one of our other cards in the cheaty face section that we'll go over uh starts with four loyalty now for our mono green walkers garrick the wild speaker one of the also another original planeswalker garrick wild speaker is two green green starts with three loyalty untaps two lands with a plus one makes a three three with a minus one and then makes uh gives all of your creatures overrun with the minus four Garrick Primal Hunter, three green, 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 plus one, create three, create a three, three beast creature token, minus three, draw a card equal to the greatest power among creatures you control, and then minus six, create a six, six worm creature token for each land you control. Works really well with Rada for the minus six. And also just being able to put out a creature every turn is pretty good. Garrick Unleashed, two red, red. Plus one, up to one target creature gets plus three, plus three, and trample until end of turn. Minus two, create a three, three beast token. Then if your opponent controls more creatures than you, put a loyalty counter on Garrick. Minus seven, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, you may search your library for a creature card, put it into the battlefield, then shuffle your library. One of our more consistent effects that we want to get to. Now for a few of our Nissas, Nissa Vital Force, awesome Great card to have ultimate, which it'll ultimate almost the turn you get it out, especially with some of our other effects. Three, green, green, five loyalty, pay one, untap target land you control until end of turn. 
until the end of your next turn. Sorry, it becomes a 5-5 elemental creature token with haste. It's still a land. Minus 3, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Great ability. If any of your planeswalkers die, you can just get them back with Nyssa. Minus 6, you gain an emblem with whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. Ah, for the most part, you're just going to want to try and ultimate her as quick as possible, but she's also so versatile in all the other aspects there. Nissa, Voice of Zendikar, one green green, plus one, make a zero one, plant token, minus two, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control, minus seven. Now, this is one of the few Planeswalkers that does not ultimate the minute it comes down with the doubling season. You gain X life. And draw X cards, where X is the number of lands you control. We're still focusing on that land ramp and that land acceleration. And then our last mono green planeswalker is Nissa, who shakes the world. Three green green. Whenever you tap a forest for mana, add an additional mana. It has been terrorizing standard for a very long time. Plus one, make a three three, or put three plus one plus one counters on target non-land creature you control. Untap it. It becomes a zero zero elemental with vigilance and haste and then a minus eight you gain you get an emblem lands you control have indestructible search your library so that's really good with jackal hops search your library for any number of forest cards put them onto the battlefield then shuffle your library any number of forest cards not basic lands so you can get your stomping grounds your cinder glades all of those effects now on to our red green planeswalkers we have arlen cord arlen cord i just really love werewolves and when we get to the end of this i have a little section where i'm going to talk about all the new cards that are coming out in zendikar and the recently announced sets that are going to be coming out as well because i'm super excited but arlen cord three red green starts with three loyalty plus one until end of turn creatures you can or one target creature you control gets plus two plus two vigilance and haste Mine or a zero effect, put a 2-2 wolf creature token onto the battlefield, then transform Arlen Cord. Arlen, Arlen Cord's backside, she's a werewolf. She has a plus one creatures you control, get plus one, plus one, and trample until end of turn. Minus one. Arlen Cord deals three damage to target creature or planes or player. Transform Arlen Cord back. And then a minus six. You get an emblem with creatures you control have haste and tap deal that much or deal damage equal to the power to target creature or player. So probably any target. We have Domri Chaosbringer. This is one of the cards that doesn't completely synergize too well with our deck, but hey, what can I say? Plus one, add one green or red to your mana pool. If this mana was spent on a creature, it gains Riot, which you have the choice. You can either add a Plus one, plus one counter to the creature or give the creature haste with Riot. Minus three, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So the second ability we're not going to use that much, but the last ability is the one we're really trying to get up to. You gain an emblem, minus eight. You gain an emblem with, at the beginning of... Each end step, so that's every end step, you put a 4-4 green beast creature token with trample onto the battlefield. So every upkeep, or every end step, you're going to get another 4-4. Samut, Tyrant Smasher. So this is the War of the Spark Planeswalker. Two red-green, red-green, those are red-green hybrids. 
Loyalty 5, creatures you control have haste. Target creature gets plus 2, plus 1, and gains haste until end of turn. And then you scry. So we're playing it mostly for the scry, but the haste ability is always nice when we get to those creatures. Samut the Tested. Now this is the first Samut that's a Planeswalker. Samut the Tested is 2 red-green, plus 1. Up to one target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Oh, pretty cool. Minus two. Submit deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two targets. Minus seven. Search your library for up to two creatures and or planeswalker cards. Put them onto the battlefield and then shuffle your library. That's the effect we're really trying to get to. Sarkon Vol, the original Sarkon. Two red, green, four loyalty, Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and haste until end of turn. A lot of haste. Minus two, gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until end of turn. So, I mean, minus two, threaten. Also just a really good ability that we're going to want to get. But this is the ability that I've always liked to get out when I first saw Sarkin. This is what I wanted to be doing with him. Minus six, put four, put five, four, four red dragon creature tokens into play with flying. So right off the bat, it's going to take us a little while to get up to Sarkin's ultimate, but not too bad. And then our last one here, he's a little non-synergistic because it's going to take a little bit of either finesse or luck to get his ultimate to really matter. But we have Xenagos the Reveler, two red-green, three loyalty, plus one, add X mana to your mana pool of a combination of green or red, where X is the number of creatures you control. Kind of relevant if we start getting a lot of tokens out, but for the most part, not too relevant. Minus zero, put a 2-2 Seder, red-green Seder token into play with haste. Minus six. Now this is, if you get to exile, it's kind of iffy. Exile the top seven cards of your library. You may put any number of creature car- creatures and or land cards from among them onto the battlefield. For the most part, we'll probably just hit lands now i've been alluding to it this whole time we have the two main creatures that we're going to really want to see a lot here that we're going to want to cheat out we have blightsteel colossus 12 mana 11 11 trample infect indestructible now with the ability that i think is most relevant in these big creatures that we want to get out he's an end he's a game ender but he also has if blightsteel colossus would be put into the graveyard from anywhere Reveal it and shuffle it into your library. So if we discard it off of Faithless Looting, if we dis- dis- if we discard it, sorry about that. If we discard it off of Sarkon Dragon Speaker, if we discard it off of any of our Chandra abilities, we're just going to be able to put it right back into our library to be cheated back out with either a Luka or Samut or any of the other Planeswalkers that can cheat it back out. Same thing with World Spire Worm, eight green, green, green. Has the same ability, but also it's a 15-15 with Trample. And if it would di- if it would die, put three 5-5 five, five Worm tokens into play. And then we also have an Eternal Witness in there. It's just also another creature that we're just going to want to use to get back any of our abilities. I'm not sure if I remember saying it, but we are going to be playing a Constant Mist. Constant Mist is one in a green, instant. Creatures deal no combat damage this turn has a buyback of Sacrifice a Land. Hopefully we'll have quite a few lands out with our Rada. And now on to our last Planeswalkers. We have Karn Liberated, 7 mana with 6 loyalty, plus 4. Target 
target player exiles a card from their hand, minus three exile target permanent. That's just an answer all. And then minus 14. Also, this is another Planeswalker that doesn't immediately ultimate when we have it out with doubling season. But it gets darn close. Restart the game, leaving in exile all non-aura permanent cards exiled with Karin. Then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So if we get that really dominating board position uh, and we're able to exile a few of their key cards, we can just end up restarting the game. Then we have Karin Scion of Urza, four mana, five loyalty, plus one. It's a mini factor fiction where you put a... Your opponent has the choice which card you put into your hand and then one gets exiled with a silver counter on it. But then you have the minus one, put a card from exile uh, with a silver counter counter on it into your hand then it also makes creatures as constructs that are plus one plus one for each artifact you control we have ugin the ineffable six mana four loyalty colorless spells you control cost two less it's not super relevant but you can exile the top card of your library face down it is a two two spirit and when it would die you put it into your you put that or when it would leave the battlefield, you put that card from exile into your hand. But it also has the minus three destroy target permanent that's one or more colors. And then our last planeswalker here, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Most of those planeswalkers have all been reprinted recently. Eight mana, seven loyalty. This one does ultimate the minute you come in, it comes into play with doubling season. Plus two, deal three damage to target creature. Minus X, exile each permanent with converted mana cost X or less, that is one or more colors. And then minus 10, you gain 7 life, draw 7 cards, then put up to 7 permanent cards from your hand into the into the battlefield. It's just a really good wrath effect right there, so that's pretty good in the end. Uh, there is one, one Planeswalker I would consider trying to make space for, which is Karn the Great Creator. Just being able to kind of slow your opponents down is really key in this deck because for the most part we're not doing a whole lot for the low converted mana cost you can also add cards like blood moon and other effects that are more of a staxy build if you're trying to go for that but on to a couple of our cards or our last two sections here which are sections i'd like to call uh up that loyalty and cheaty face so up that loyalty we're gonna have a couple cards that i've already talked about or one card that I've already talked about. So let's start with Doubling Season. So if you're not familiar with Doubling Season, you pretty much should be. It's a commander staple for any Planeswalker deck. But for green enchantment, if an effect would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice that many of those tokens instead. So that works really well with all of our Planeswalkers that create bodies to protect them. If an effect would put one or more counters on a permanent you control... It puts twice that many counters on that permanent instead. So this works for when Planeswalkers are coming into the battlefield because the loyalty counters are being put on them. So that will have them double. But the plus abilities work in a different way where you're putting the counters on them, but you won't get the double effect, I'm pretty sure, on that. If I'm wrong, you can message me, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Because it's like paying an ability, you put two counters on it to put the abilities up. Uh, but if I'm wrong, please let me know, because that would make this deck a lot better for me. Evolution Sage, two and a green, three, two. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you proliferate, which is proliferate. You can choose any number of tar or any number 
of permanents or players, and you could put another counter on that permanent or player. Works really well with our land effects that we have our, most of our ramp is sorcery speed, put an extra land into play. Pure imaginative imaginative rascal, two and a green, one, one. It pairs with toothy, but we're not playing blue. But you do get a shuffle effect if you actually want to search for it and just try and hit a land with Rada. If one or more counters would be put on a permanent you control, or your team controls, my apologies, that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters are put onto that permanent instead. So it's just a Gideon, Oath of Gideon effect where we're going to be getting an extra loyalty counter whenever we put a counter on. And then plain white celebration, five in a green, five green green, choose four. You may choose the same mode more than once. Create a 2-2 citizen, that's all colors. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand, great re- regrowth effect. Proliferate, so we can proliferate four times, and people are really caught off guard by that. Or we gain four life, so if we're really far behind and need to gain some life, we can play my celebration with that. The last card I forgot to mention, and I'm doing this kind of as my editing goes, is I forgot to mention I'm also playing Contagion Engine. Contagion Engine is six mana when it artifact. When it enters the battlefield, put a minus one, minus one counter on all creatures target player controls, and then it has pay four, tap, proliferate four. So this also helps us get our Planeswalkers up to the right amount that we need, as well as wrathing our opponents. Thanks, everybody. Back to the show. Now for our cheating effects. We have Thran's Temporal Gateway, four mana, legendary artifact, four tap. You may put a historic permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. So this is a way to get our Planeswalkers out at instant speed without having to pay mana during our turn. Because historic cards are artifacts, legends, and sagas are historic. And all Planeswalkers, no matter what now, are legendary. Then we have Planebound Accomplice, two and a red, one three, one red. You may put a, cre- a you may put a Planeswalker card from your hand onto the battlefield, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Now, with Planebound Accomplice, there is an infinite combo with Planewild Accomplice, Chandra Torch of Defiance, Cloudstone Curio, and another Planeswalker. Just being able to plus Chandra to make extra mana, and then if you bring in another creature, or if you bring in another Planeswalker with Planebound Accomplice, you can bounce the Chandra. You still have one red floating. You can use whatever plus ability on the Planeswalker you just put out. Play the Chandra with the Planebound Accomplice's ability. Rebounce the other Planeswalker plus your Chandra for the mana, and you get into infinite activations on whatever Planeswalker you put into play uh, the second time that's not Chandra Torture Defiance. And then we have our last cheaty face card here in Fires of Invention. Three and a red enchantment. You may place... You may cast spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. That's a pretty big drawback because we're just basically saying you guys can do whatever you want on your turn it doesn't matter to me but i think the payoff is really big with it you may cast spells with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana costs so this 
this right off the bat, it, the turn we play it, we'll be able to play some of our Chandras, all of our four-drop multicolor planeswalkers, a few of our mono-green planeswalkers, and that's about it. And maybe a ramp spell if we need to get up to another mana. Now, this doesn't affect our Thran Temporal Gateway. So if we have Thran Temporal Gateway out with Fires of Invention, we actually kind of get to cast three Planeswalkers a turn. Not that we're going to have that many, but for the most part, I think Fires of Invention would be really good. Those those endgame turns, you don't have to cast it if you have it in your hand and you can't really manipulate with it. We can always recycle it with Faithless Looting or another one of our effects that is a discard draw cards. But there will be those turns when you can play a Planeswalker, play planes, Plane-Wide Celebration, and ultimate it that turn. And then nothing really of note in our land base here. I'm playing most of the different red-green duels, but I'm also playing Snow-Covered Forests and Snow-Covered Mountains for our one into the north. And it also doesn't hurt just to play Snow-Covered Basics. It doesn't really hurt anything to do that. And I'm also playing the one card, one land card of note, which would be Karin's Bastion. It taps to add one colorless to your mana pool, and then has the activated ability for tap proliferate. I am playing 37 lands, though. So that's all of our cards in the main deck. Uh, now we're going to go on to the third section, where we're going to talk about a little bit how the gameplay interacts and how our mana curve is and the separation of colors. So I'll see you in the third section. Welcome to Earth Prime. Before there was thought, there was this place. One Earth, with a single history. But with the coming of man came the illusion of free will. And with that illusion came chaos. With every choice we make, we literally create a world. History branches in two, creating one Earth, where we made the choice, and a second, where we didn't. That's the secret of the universe, you know. Billions of people making billions of choices, creating infinite Earths. Some so similar to each other, you could spend a lifetime searching for any distinction. Others so radically different, they defy comprehension. And all of the branches originate here. Every version of reality balances precariously on this singular Earth. It seems so different from the Earths we know. I can't imagine what series of decisions led to this world hurtling out of its orbit. But I know this. The source of the cataclysm was the same as it always is. Man. You can't be sure of that. Anything... You know better. Man is a cancer. And I've chosen to cut out the disease. It doesn't matter. So here we are, third section. Uh, for the most part, a lot of our creature, or a lot of our planeswalkers, are going to make tokens uh, to help us block them. That's really what you're looking for in most of your planeswalkers. Say you're evaluating a planeswalker for standard. Uh, for the most part, you're going to want to see if that planeswalker can protect itself the turn it comes down. Because if it can't, it's really open to a lot of damage. Uh, right now, we're playing 13 ramp spells. Everything's under convert a mana cost. Two in our ramp package. Some of our planeswalkers also ramp us, like Garrick Wildspeaker 
and Nissa who shakes the world. But we're really trying to get Rada out early, get the advantage off of Rada, and then also have those far seeks, explorers into the north's nature's lores to get our land count out because we were going over how many of our cards do count on us having lands and multiple lands out. Since these divining top and our some of our other scry effects help us filter out our deck a little bit here. Major strengths, I really say once you get the ball rolling, say around turn three or four, it really does become hard to stop you. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of targeted removal for creatures or for planeswalkers, so it's going to be hard for your opponents to interact with them. And the amount of card advantage that we're going to be gaining over time with our planeswalkers is really going to what sets us apart from the other p- players at the table. The one problem I think we have is we are spending most of our turns, even one to three, ramping, where it's not really affecting the board state. And we aren't super high on actual wraths, whereas we don't want to be spending our planeswalkers to wrath, like our Chandra Flame Callers or our uh, Chandra Awaken Inferno. But if we have to, we can do that. We do have some ways to cheat out in the later game. Our Blightsteel Colossus and Wormcoil Engine. Like I said, it is kind of hard with Luca to hit into one of our bigger Planeswalkers because we are obvi- or our bigger creatures because we are playing Sakura Tribe Elders and Llanowar Elves. But if you want to su- substitute those for things like Cultivates and more enchantment-based ramp, you can do that. I'm probably going to end up doing that. And then our Eternal Witness can turn into like a regrowth if you'd like. Our converted mana cost is pretty high, being 3.9. So that is, like I said, we are one of the downsides of this deck is we aren't really going to be doing anything in the early game. And it does take a while for our Planeswalkers to show that card advantage. There is no, there are no, huh, there are no really like infinite combos or ways you win the game immediately. We do have a a few things that are kind of like that with like Fire's Invention and then being able to, like I said, Planar Celebration and ultimate some of our Planeswalkers immediately or being able to get Doubling Season out and then with a couple of our Planeswalkers search up that Jackal Hops and be able to Wrath the Field immediately. Our deck is quite light on artifacts, so if you want to play, like I was saying, you can play more Staxi. You can get rid of some of our less impressive planeswalkers to play things like blood moon magus of the moon dampening sphere because we're not trying to cast multiple spells a turn that many times there are a few cards that that does few planeswalkers that does kind of mess with but if you want to you can flip this into a more staxy build even things like smokestacks, if we get a smokestacks out for one, and then any of our planeswalkers that create a token, we're just gaining that advantage over time, getting a further and further ahead of our opponents. Uh, I probably will end up flipping this into a more staxy build, but really I'm trying to have more fun with the deck than I am trying to make everybody miserable at the table. And like I said, uh, on EDH Rec, I haven't really seen a lot of red-green Planeswalker decks, probably because a lot of players want to be playing the blue effects so that you can get a few more doubling effects 
and a few other like Teferi's or Oath of Teferi is also really good. Uh, there is a card that I'm blatantly missing from the deck, which you can add. It was just a little expensive, and I don't own one yet, which is uh, Chain Veil, just allowing you to activate your all of your Planeswalker's abilities extra for a little bit of life. It really helps you get up to those ultimate abilities a little faster. So if you have one, play it. If you don't, that's okay. I think the deck runs pretty well for itself as it is. We are an even split of red and green. So for the most part, I'm playing uh, even split of basic lands. So on to the last section. But this is fantastic, isn't it? The Time Lords restored. You weren't there in the final days of the war. You never saw what was born. But if the Time Lock's broken, then everything's coming through. Not just the Daleks, but the Scarrow degradations. The Horde of Travesties. The Nightmare Child. The could have been king with his army of meanwhiles and never worse. The war turned into hell. And that's where you opened. Right above the earth. Hell is descending. My kind of world. Just listen! Because even the Time Lords can't survive that! We will initiate the final sanction. The end of time will come. At my hand. The rupture will continue until it rips the Time Vortex apart. That's suicide! We will ascend to become creatures of consciousness alone. Free of these bodies. Free of time and cause and effect. While creation itself ceases to be. You see now? That's what they were planning in the final days of the war. I had to stop them. So the deck comes in at a pretty high total of $663.62. So most of that is taken up by things like Dockside Extortionist being $32, Sensei's Divining Top being at $54 on Card Kingdom and $44 on TCG Player, Doubling Season being $50, and then Karin being $44. And things like Blightsteel also being, like, in the $30. Now, you can replace some of the other... You can replace the bigger creatures with other big creatures if you want. It doesn't really have to have the effect where you discard them and they get shuffled back in. The one card I would say you'd really have to keep in this deck that's expensive would be Doubling Season. Doubling Season is really the only way to get these cards to ultimate faster. And it's just such an efficient one to have worked with your entire game plan. Dockside Extortionist can just be another ramp spell. Sensei's Divining Top can just be an effect that scries, because really you just want to be able to use Rada as many times as possible. Our land base, you could almost just play all basics if you really wanted to, and that would cut off quite a bit. I mean, right now we're at 115 for our mana base, and that's just playing all of the like the Shocklands, the Wooded Foothills, the Spire Gardens. But if you cut most of that out, we could probably get this deck to around $300 just by cutting some of the more expensive cards. But it's really up to you. Like even things like Explore Exploration being $20, you could just play another one-drop creature or another one-drop enchantment that 
ramps you one that's like 50 cents. So, but overall, this is my gruel deck. Planeswalker-themed gruel deck. I just had a lot of the Planeswalkers, and then I thought also, hey, I really want to see how far I can get with a build that other people haven't thought of. So, why not? Uh, so, with that, let's get on to our final final part here. It's also going to be a little bit of a section, because I want to talk about a few of the things that have been going on lately. What are they doing to the homeworld war? There's a million of them. They fixed it? What does that mean? Uh, I don't know. This is Peridot, performing Earth Hub maintenance check. Peridot! Her name is Peridot! Mm, mm. Repair success. All 79 flask robonoids deployed and accounted for. Preparing to locate and manually reactivate kindergarten. So, final section. I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm also going to go over a few things that I did in the past few weeks. So we did have Command Fest 2 which was really good. I was able to play about three or four games, whereas in Manfest 1 online, I think I played in almost seven games. But I was able to play my Kenrith uh, Tainted Remedy deck a little bit there. I didn't really get to go off because I couldn't find the Tainted Remedy or the Reign of Gore, but I did get to drain everybody with a Viscopa Guild Mage and a Beacon of... and the White Beacon... Uh, I didn't kill anybody at the table, but it brought a lot of people pretty low and also doubled my life total. I was also able to play... I played my mono white deck, which was which went all right. Um, I realized I needed a lot more draw in the deck. My Right now I'm playing Rune, Rune Tail. I think that's the name. Uh, the one that flips when you have 30 or more life and prevent all damage to be dealt to creatures you control. I was able to get a few blockers out that kind of made me immortal, but people realized that I shouldn't have that. But I never was able to find any of my draw effects that would bring me further and further into the game. What I did end up finding a lot more were a lot of the rule of law effects and stuff like that. So I ended up actually cutting more of the rule of law effects and playing more draw effects, obviously adding Mangara into the deck and a few other things like that. And then I won one of my games with Nethral. Uh, that game took quite a while, and it was between me and another graveyard deck, where I actually ended up reanimating his Gary multiple times, Grey Merchant of Asphodel multiple times to drain him right after I had milled all the cards in my library. I was able to reoccur, reanimate, or animate dead with the other Abzan legend that's in that deck. That commander deck. And then for a little bit, what I'd like to go over... I'm moving decks around here. Sorry about that. So I just wanted to go over some of the cards that I'm really pretty excited for in the new Zendikar Zendikar Rising set that's going to be coming out. So I'm really 
excited to see more of the cards that are Valakut Awakens. So Valakut Awakens is two and a red instant. Put any number of cards from your hand onto the bottom of your library, then draw that many plus one. And then it has a flip side, and you can choose to play it either as the spell or as the flip side. And the flip side is Valakut Storm or Stoneforged. It's a land, comes into play tapped, and it adds one red to your mana pool. So if we see more cards like this, I think these are really great includes in Commander. So it's just kind of that effect where we're never really going to be behind on lands. But also, if we just need the spell effect, which is a pretty strong effect, we can just cast it. We're gonna, we see, we're gonna see these in rares and uh, uncommons. I'm not sure if we're gonna see it in commons yet. We haven't seen any yet. Uh, I'm also super excited for the entire dual land base. Now, the dual land base are basically one side's going to create blue, one side's going to create red, so on and so forth with all the combinations of... So we have blue-red, we have white-black, we have blue-black, we have green-white, we have green... We have red-white, and then we have red-green. I don't know. I think that's excluding all of the enemy-colored ways of these but they all come into play untapped and you can choose one or the other they are just land types so you're not going to be able to search them up but i think these are amazing cards and definitely definitely includes in commander and we're not going to be seeing allies again we're actually seeing this new mechanic called uh party so party says your party consists of up to one of each Cleric, Rogue, Warrior, and Wizard. And then you get, like, cost reduction. Spoil, Spoils of Adventure is four white-blue instant. This spell costs one less for each creature in your party. Uh, and you gain three life and draw three cards. Now, you have to have one of each. So you can't just have a changeling out and be casting this effect for, for two and a uh, green and a... No, sorry, blue and a white. You actually have to have one of each. But you can have four changelings out, and that counts as your spoils of adventure, reduced mana cost, or, you know, any amount of those. But we're going to be seeing that on a few different cards here. The Planeswalkers that were spoiled, I I do like the red-white Nahiri. I think it's really good. I think being able to put a body out is super important, and being able to uh, fast-equip any effect onto that for commander probably you know we'll have to see what artifacts come out come out in standard but for the most part i think that's really good nissa of the shadow nissa of the shadowed uh two black green landfall whenever land enters the battlefield under your control you put a loyalty counter on nissa pay one or one loyalty sorry plus one untapped target land you control it becomes a three three elemental with haste menace uh until end of turn it's still a land. So this isn't going to last until your next turn. But it also has a minus five, which you can do the minute it comes out if you play a land afterwards. Cre- you may put a creature card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control onto the battlefield from your hand or graveyard with two plus one plus one counters on it. So pretty strong effect there. We do have a lot of returning characters. I would suggest going to look at the spoilers if you want to. There's quite a few good spoilers already out. We have another Omnath, which is four color now. We have Lavinia back here, but really excited about those lands. We do have Expeditions as well, so you can 
get like an ancient tomb or any of our fetch lands as well as cavernous souls prismatic vista all in their beautiful arts uh, just up to you if you want to be running stuff like that but then it might hopefully make some of our other things cheaper so i just wanted to say thank you uh i know this is kind of a less super thematic deck uh i'm hoping to do a few more recordings. I just have to build the list. Some of the more thematic lists take a little bit longer to build. If you want to get a hold of me, you can tweet at me at WolfieMTG on Twitter. Or you can email me at WolfieStar12 at gmail.com and I'll get back to you. Hopefully next week, I, I have a couple different ideas. They did, announce, they did announce a D&D themed magic set, I believe. So I already was going to be making a level up kind of D&D adventure EDH deck, but maybe I'll wait until next year to start doing something like that. We also have a werewolf and a vampire Innistrad theme coming out, so hopefully we'll get a werewolf-themed commander. That's a little bit better than the ones we've had. Also, 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 I'm hoping to do a fall-themed EDH deck, which is probably going to be the next theme that comes out, and then also a... Halloween themed EDH deck. So hopefully we'll have both of those coming out at the same or similar times, one in the beginning, one at the end. And then I have a couple other ideas in the bank. But if you have any ideas, please get to me. I'm more than happy to take a look at take a look at them. If I think they're really cool, maybe I'll feature them on the cast, but I hope you have a thematic day. Get out of the way.